tell you something as myself Lorcan Mullen and my co-host Simon Cross work our way through every single match that Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer has rated five stars or higher to give our own opinions to give a critique to give an after the fact um re-review of events and after the briefest of sojourns in North America Dave Meltzer making his first five star match for a WWE match in the WrestleMania 10 ladder match. We're back on comfortable terra firma for belts and hours. We're in Japan. It's a few weeks later, and an event every bit as important as WrestleMania 10 is taking place in Japan as Sumo Hall is sold out for a tournament of the top junior heavyweight division wrestlers all across Japan, with the exception of all Japan. And it was for the Super J Cup. Now, this was a much Sought after VHS. This was the first thing that I got my hands on when I was in contact with Strong Style Video, who was like the great, like the RF video of the UK. If you listen back to an episode we recorded with Matthew Gregg um, about the internet, episode 10 of Let Me Tell You Something, he said that that was the exact same video he got his hands on when he was uh, first in touch with Strong Style Video. Super J Cup, and it's come down to this, the final, as the big... Breakout star of the event, Michinoku Pro Wrestling's The Great Sasuke, faces off against New Japan's top Gaijin junior talent in Wild Pegasus, better known as Chris Benoit. So, this was one that I was never looking forward to reviewing, as weird as it sounds, and it's for obvious reasons and I'm sure some of you are now already rolling your eyes and you don't really want us to talk about it but I'm not going to be able to avoid talking about it up to a point but let me just add, and I'll just say right away this is probably one of the first times I've watched a Chris Benoit match since what since happened since 2007 Seven. I've watched a few here and there but I've never sought out seeing a Chris Benoit match um, and I still don't feel 100% comfortable watching them. Uh, how about you, Simon? How much Chris Benoit have you watched in the past? Um, I went so? through a phase where I was watching every WWE pay-per-view back-to-back, starting from like WrestleMania 21 or 22, I can never remember which, mm-hmm. uh, which had Chris Benoit and its, it's sort of burgeoning um, rivalry with MVP, I think, at the mm-hmm. time, so... Um, I saw a fair bit of like I've seen like a fair bit of Chris since. Again, I never actively sought out Chris matches. Um, they don't. They famously don't have stop points on the network more often than not. If they're singles matches, um, it's uncomfortable uh, in a sense that you you look at a man who is so obviously bigger than his frame should naturally allow, mm. and going around the ring albeit in WWE somewhat tapered um, at this the late latter stage in his career and life unfortunately um, he goes around with like a viciousness and like which which can be excessive at times it's, it's a violent persona 
Yeah. And so that makes the fact that his life ended in such horrible, violent ways, it makes it more uncomfortable. It's, it's a weird thing. It's like, um, it's like a lot of people feel very uncomfortable watching Woody Allen films especially ones where he's in romance like obvious most obvious example being manhattan where he's in a romantic relationship with a much younger woman Mm -hmm. whatever you think of whatever degree you think woody allen's actions have been i can absolutely understand your discomfort i can watch woody allen films um up i can watch woody allen films but i don't i think maybe because there's a satirical edge to them uh, and Woody Allen himself has so much, so many levels of self-loathing that that almost is reflected in that work. Um, mm. And as and also another example now being like Michael Jackson, because his work is based on rhythm and it's sort of an elemental dance thing. It's not really, you know, you can't not dance or feel feel something when you listen when you hear Billie Jean or. Uh, rock with you well the music the music is fundamentally good um yeah. well that's the thing it's like everyone's saying like no one's got a problem with r kelly being ignored for the rest <laughs> of musical history but michael jackson who did either as bad or worse things than r kelly allegedly i guess we allegedly have to say. we have to say we do. but you know I, i'll my opinions on that qualifier i will leave to your interpretation of my tone of voice um i think that just avoids libel there yeah <laughs> um it's, it's it's a thing like i i you know and it's but it's like let's let's talk about the match now and, let, and then we can go back to art versus artist i suppose in a bit hmm. uh, the match itself is just very good solid junior heavyweight wrestling um, and it was it was the star-making turn of Great Sasuke. I think this is more of a Sasuke match than it is a Pegasus match. And also, what one thing that's most interesting, actually, is that this has so many frequent echoes of the very first match that we covered in this series, that being the Dynamite Kid Tiger Mask matches. Ooh, I wouldn't say it's more a Sasuke. I'd say it's more of a Wild Pegasus outing than it is a Sasuke outing. I, I get the crowd are, are backing Sasuke, and Sasuke gets the better reactions due to the nature of his moveset, but I, I, I think it's more of a showcase of Wild Pegasus' ability as a as a match. Mm. Well, I think it's interesting because I watched before <laughs> that, I also watched the match before then, which was Sasuke against Liger, and you've got to understand that this was the event where Sasuke was a not an unknown, well, he was a relative unknown at this point. In the quarterfinals, he beats El Samurai, like the number three junior heavyweight in, in New Japan. In the semifinals, he scores a big upset win and beats Jushin Liger, the number one in the New Japan junior division. So at this point, he's got the full crowd backing him. It's this unlikely run to the final. And yeah. like I said, it's like, it's hard. To, I guess you've got to kind of understand that this is are coming out this is this is for the great sasuke this night is what that mitsuhara masawa victory over jumbo saruta was in the mm. episode and i don't think you would and and so i benoit the thing about benoit is he never wrestled 
less or more intense in any way. He wrestled yeah. with the same intensity in a world title match at WrestleMania 20 as he probably did in a house show in front of 600 people when he was one of the few WCW wrestlers that actually did house shows during the, the 90s. Yeah, I mean, when you 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 only have one gear and it's fifth, you know, it's always pretty full on, no matter what you're doing. Mm. Which has its advantages on the grand stage. It means you're never, like, falling short, but it does mean that you're redlining it far often than, more often than you should be. Mm. This is the interesting thing about this show, where we're watching these matches in a vacuum, or we're only picking up the five-star matches. It's like we watch three of the four, uh, Misawa, Kawada, Kabashi... Um, Jumbo, Fushi, Tawe, six-man tags. But in not watching one of those, did we miss key elements that would have affected our level of enjoyment in the fourth match, that we was the third match that we reviewed? So the fact that you didn't watch Sasuke basically take a shit-kicking from Jushin Liger for the majority of the previous match on the show. Because yeah. that's the thing, it's like escalated up to the final, and because it's, it's almost like... I think it was more that Meltzer gave, was giving the whole event five stars through Quite the possible. giving of this match five stars. Because, I, I I mean, yeah, I mean, the fact that you've got the fact that he overcame Liger's, like, shit-kicking as you turned it and went into this match where Benoit, immediately from Jump Street, is kicking the shit out of Sasuke. Sasuke does not get a lot of offense in this match no, at all. He gets, he gets more in this match than he did against Liger. It's like he's already now established as a more... Like, basically, the, the entire first half of the Liger match, he doesn't get much in at all. He almost mm. looks like the ref's thinking of stopping the match. And then he comes back, whereas... Like, like Liger completely dominates him on the match. Whereas in this one, they make it clear that it's more... The aggression of the aggression and, and the brawling—well, not brawling, but the the the, the throws and the mat wrestling of of uh, Pegasus against the high flying, um, faster pace and strikes of Sasuke. Yeah, uh, and there are fast paced exchanges. Uh, where, and and like very early on, Sasuke sends Pegasus to the outside and looks like he's going to go for a a dive and. Benoit runs out of the way. I love that. He goes he, it goes into the crowd. It's just how far he goes. It's weird to see Benoit retreat mm. in a way. It's not really something that you associate with his style, either heel or baby. Like, well, I think it gets across how effective Sasuke's attacks are. Because like, Sasuke doesn't get a move in, basically, against Liger until he knocks him to the outside and immediately does a huge acai moonsault. And mm. so it's like Pegasus knows what's coming and he knows. So now he's like, he's not as much of a uh, an unknown quantity at this point. Yeah. Uh, but that's one of the notes I have. Like, because I said I was watching the, I watched the uh, Liger match and uh, Sasuke much more, has much more control in the opening portion of the match. Uh, and, and they do two runs of the ropes uh, early on. Where Sasuke is doing his acrobatics, but then Pe- uh, Pegasus just knocks him down with a huge lariat. Yeah. And then they do another run of the ropes, and Sasuke gets him with a spinning heel kick. So it's that, again, it's that way of showing those are Pegasus' strengths, these are Sasuke's strengths, who will prevail. But 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 Pegasus does start and to take over, you know I agree with you there. Yeah. I, I think that 
is an issue I have um, with the match. I think it's too much. I think sometimes you can try and showcase the individuals too much to the detriment of the flow of the match. Like um, the way Sasuke has to sort of like slow the match down at parts to get in position to do one of his dives or Pegasus has to like fall or go into like an unnatural there's like an unnaturalness to the way that they go from spot to spot times because of the intricacy that Sasuke is trying to um, put into what he does can you give me an example of that so towards the tail end of the match it's when Sasuke does his cartwheel handspring over the top rope dearly I think it's called a space flying tiger drop or something like that (laughs) my apologies Uh, it's when he goes for the space flying tiger drop it, it's sort of the fact that Pegasus sort of falls out the ring and then sort of has to fall back into the middle kind like the like in the middle spot thing so Sasuke's just waiting for a second and then he does the run has to stop do the cartwheel and I mean I guess it's a it it looks good it's something I can't do it's obvious for obvious reasons so it's a great athletic feat but it's just there's too much going on there. I have to disagree. I disagree with that. I I don't recall. I mean, you know, it's just the usual psychology of that is, you know, and we saw that in the AAA uh, trios match that someone's just got to be out there, and it's a hard, it's a hard job yeah, no, to, yeah, to I, make I'm... it look like you're you're in that position, not because oh yeah, you need no, to no. be there, but like you don't like some guys do it really well. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but they do do it well where they they're obviously looking like with their peripheral vision, yeah. but they're looking, I'm, but their, their idea is they don't know where their opponent is, but they actually know exactly where they are. Yeah. And no, I'm, I'm, to... I'm being a bit too, I'm not, I'm not, I'm perhaps I'm being too harsh on Pegasus. Side of, but <laughs> I, I, I just think the way that Sasuke goes from spot to spot. And I've talked about this in like previous episodes and it's why we've had heated discussions and why things aren't five star and why things are. Um, he it's it's a disconnect. It's just a simple disconnect from like the moment and like the flow of the match. Great Sasuke is just unplugging me from the, those moments when he he awkwardly goes. From so do you just cop- dislike dives to the outside in general? No, no. I think when done well, uh, well not well's a harsh term. When they flow well as part of the story of the wrestling match, they're great. See, I think they do that I think they do that well in this match. I thought they did it well in the Liger match as well, where it's a case of usually when Sasuke does do one of these big moves, it's because he's been like he he had been battered about by Pegasus for several minutes before that yeah. move. Like Pegasus hits him with actually one of his own dives, um uh at one point. And then he's like hitting him with dragon suplex, top rope headbutt, power bomb, then he gets him in a scorpion deathlock. Sasuke fights back and then he's like well he's hit me with so much I've got to try and get something in quick and that's when he does the space flying tiger drop and and like he starts having to hit Pegasus with really big moves in order to keep up with him because he's taken so much damage and so he needs his moves on Pegasus to be more to be bigger in order for him to take as much out of Pegasus with just like one move as Pegasus took out of him through like several minutes of beating on him. Yeah, and it's not the size of the move, it's just how awkward it is watching him 
do it. I don't. Like, I don't recall there being like some pause before he does a cartwheel. The cartwheel. It seemed all. I remember it being one smooth, fluid motion to me. I don't know. It just all seemed a bit. The way it came across to me is it just seemed a bit. Meh. Oh, okay. Okay. Like just, I mean, he's not like junior heavyweight wrestling. Do you think? No, I think I think Pegasus did very, like came across very well in this match. I think if Pegasus had a different opponent, we could be having a very different conversation. Well, who could that opponent have been? I I don't have the answer to that question. All I know is from what I was watching, I do don't think... think it should have been the Great Sasuke. Okay, do you think if it had been the Rey Mysterio that we saw in the Triple A match? Depends how the psychology would have gone, I guess. I. I... I think, all, all of... harsh. I think this match is a very good psychology, but again, I think it also helps that I watched the whole event and there's this sense of it, it's been building up to this crescendo and both men have wrestled matches before, so they're already tired and they've already taken punishment, so they need to hit their big moves because they've only got so much left in them. Yeah, I can get your viewpoint, but ultimately it's we, we aren't sharing the same viewpoint because we haven't got the sh- same level of... Uh prior knowledge because mm. um, I watched this match I watched this tape a lot you know especially at university mm. like I didn't take many tapes up with me and this was one of the ones I'm, I did take up with me um, so I remember showing it to some guys at uni I don't know how in, invested they were but you know they, they were polite when they watched it <laughs> um, uh, yeah and uh, yeah I just find that yeah it's interesting where your stance is but like some of the big moves are pretty crazy and, and Sasuke has a reputation for being batshit insane in many ways yeah uh, in, in both his wrestling and his public life he, he ends up becoming a member of the Japanese parliament the diets he did I remember and, that and he wore a mask <laughs> <laughs> he wore his wrestling mask um, see but... like Japan and Mexico are probably the only two countries in the world that would allow that I think Ludwig Borg got involved in politics for a while. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, let's let's not get into that. Um, but yeah, some of the some of the moves he does in this is crazy. Like he does a vertical suit, he suplexes uh, Pegasus to the outside, and of course there you go with Benoit taking the bump. But we'll get back to that uh, mm. later on. Then he drop kicks Pegasus to the outside and follows that up. With a missile drop kick to the outside, landing on his hip. Yeah. Visibly landing on his hip. I mean, like, those moves, um, they are, it's just that I think there's an over example, though, because he's sort of. There's like, a, I think because, like, maybe there's a cameraman that's too close to Pegasus, there's sort of like a little bit of a delay before he does his run to the turnbuckle. It's a great move. Executes no, I don't think great, that's. But... No, that's just him trying to find his positioning and timing. You know, you, you hold off on doing... You know, a gymnast holds off until they're ready and in the right position before they do their moves. I don't know. I think that was a slightly longer pause. I, again, uh, I have to disagree. I have no recollection of that at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think your nitpicking is getting beyond nits at this point. I think you're getting in with a microscope and tweezers. I, I, I'll just be honest. I, that great, great Sasuke just did nothing for me as a performer in this match. Why? Just, he 
were you impressed by his athleticism? You saw him do those swan dives, which Jeff Hardy stole and did for his swanton bomb. Yeah. No, no, like, his athleticism did impress me, but in terms of his contribution... Like, I, I just didn't feel there was much of a story going on in this I match. disagree, man. It's all about this underdog making it... You know, when he's out on the outside after that, like, trying to will himself to get up, and he's got... Not just his two Michinoku pro allies that were also in the tournament, Taka Michinoku and Super Delphin, but he's got Liger there yelling at him to get back into the ring, the guy who he'd just beaten in the match before then. Mm-hmm. And he's willing himself up. And, you know, the guy's. The crowd is all in for Sasuke. So you're yeah. fighting a losing battle there, man. It's one against, like, 9,000 in, in, as far as this opinion goes. Well, no, yeah, I accept that the crowd are into the match, but. It just did nothing for me. Well, okay. It's... Okay, well, well, there's not much more left to go, really. Then they go to, into the ring. Like, uh, Sasuke gets two off of a moonsault. He goes to the top rope. And then it's a battle for... There's that sense of whoever gets this next one is going to win the match. If So Pegasus is desperately fighting and Sasuke kicks him off at one point. But then he looks to the crowd and it's probably a bit too long. Will You know, like he does a... I, you know, basically like a Kabashi pose before he does his moonsault and Pegasus gets back up and hits him with a gut wrench superplex like I said it's another sign of it being like a a tribute to the Dynamite Kid Tiger Mask matches <clears throat> that it ends with a big superplex off the top rope and he gets the three count from him yeah it's a, it is a uh, impressive feat of strength as well um, from Pegasus and for the finish as well <clears throat> but he's a uh... And Pegasus just seems to be like, it's not a great deal of charisma for a man who's just won a Super J Cup. You know what I mean? Like, he just doesn't seem elated as I thought a man would be who just won a tournament like that. He's knackered. You know, if you've run a marathon... Which is what you basically are doing in one night in a tournament, a knockout yeah. tournament. But they're I will doing, say... They're not doing cartwheels. They're not doing a Usain Bolt victory lap, you know? No, but this isn't a... Um, this goes beyond this match in terms of a, at the point I'm making about Chris in general. He just never seemed very emotive in those key moments. And I guess that's why he never sat at the top table for any great length of time. I think it depends on what you're what you're looking for. He, 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 he portrays the match as a sporting contest and he gradually gets more exhausted as the match goes on. He can convey pain and discomfort. He can convey, you know, I don't like to watch it much, but you tell me that when he's basically on his knees in, in tears of joy when he's presented the World Heavyweight title at the end of WrestleMania 20, you tell me that's not a guy that can convey emotions or get some sort of elicit some response and Madison Square Garden's gone apeshit for him. Hmm, that's a notable exception. But it, well, it's... Well, then, why is, it an ex- why is it the ones that prove you wrong have to be the exceptions? So, but he... Throughout his career, he never got the crowd to go with him enough. Ah, uh, I disagree with that entirely, Simon. Throughout his, you watch his old matches in WCW, the crowd was behind him. You watch his matches in WWF, the crowd was into him. He was a legend in New Japan. He was a hero in ECW. He was huge in Stampede Wrestling. He always got a huge reaction. The crowd went nuts when he invaded the WWF in 2000. I think you're reading a history that you don't have a direct... Because you don't have a direct experience of it growing up like i did and you've just been you've just been fed up you've just been fed a pack of lies mate it's a staunch defense 
Um, but it's weird. I did not expect to be the one to be defending Chris Benoit in, <laughs> in, in this. This has got quite heated, man. I don't yeah. know. It's... But for me, the match was ju- just a match. It, it, it was what it was. Okay, like, did you think it was better than the Liger El Samurai match? Yes, but that's not difficult to do. I disagree with you entirely. I thought it was a very good match. I wouldn't give it five stars, and we can preempt yours. You wouldn't. <laughs> like you wouldn't give it four stars. Uh, no. I is it because it's Chris Benoit? No, Chris Benoit is the reason I like this match so much. <sighs> Uh, it's interesting, though, the way you go about the, the physique, because it's not the physique that upsets me when I watch Chris Benoit matches, because there are other people that had, you know, the, the inflated physique of, of Roy, like, I think that they're just oh, no, like, no, looking into I, like, I the think, notion no, of... No, 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 you, you, I think you've, mis, uh, you've misinterpreted the point I was making. The point I was making about his physique was primarily when I was watching his stuff since his death, i.e. when I was watching that 2000, that late 2000 smack run of pay-per-views. Mm. That's when it's more inflated. Here, it's it's a bodybuilder's physique. He's got, he's got body fat at this point. Yeah, it's not ridiculous. The most disturbing thing about him at this stage is his haircut. Mm. But he's definitely on the gas at this point as well. Yeah, he's still got yeah. huge arms. Look he's at still... the shoulder muscles, and it's obvious. Yeah. He's probably not like just eating cereal with water, and you know, like you hear those stories of Chris Jericho and them, and like. Benoit and Eddie Guerrero are always looking like the food information and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but the things that upset me when I, whenever I watch Benoit matches now, if I do, is the stuff, the unnecessary pay, you know, the headbutts. Did you... The, the was... most, fam- most famous one, of course, for me, is when Chris Jericho hits him with a chair shot in their ladder match at Royal Rumble. Yeah. And and Chris Benoit, knowing that he when he died and, and doing the things that he did... He had the brain of an eighty-year-old Alzheimer's. Well, I think that's patients. one of the ones that got played in like the news, like clips. I I remember the news really going off on the steroid elements of it, which is <clears> just <throat> not. You don't do that with roid rage. You 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 do that with mental health issues, and that's yeah. what Chris Benoit obviously had at that point. Well, do you think one what would have exacerbated the other though? Possibly, it doesn't help. But he will have he will have been having bouts of roid rage for about fifteen years, but it's the build up of this obvious brain and, and mental health, and obviously he was also affected by the Eddie Guerrero's death and all the death that lay around him. I think he Andy, was um, in, a, in, in a place of no. Oh, what's this hope. guy? What's the guy from Public Enemy that died? Oh, Rocco, uh, Johnny Grunge or Rocco Rock. I think they both died at this point. Yeah, one of them died, I think, two weeks before he did this. I think that might have been the death. That, that was one of his him. best friends, yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, so it's things like, and to be <laughs> fair, it's Sasuke that takes the crazy bombs in this match. And he's a man that went on to, like, get a fractured skull on at least, more, I think, more than one occasion whilst wrestling. Yeah. And I remember seeing a botchamania of him recently. You know, he's still going. And he's trying to do one of those swan dives off the in the corner whilst having a bin over him. Like one of those garbage can bins. Oh, jeez. So he can't see where he's going and he has no bat. So in the end, he has to give up on it. But that was what he was planning to do. And you're like, how did you think that was going to end? Yeah. So these are two very different, very reckless guys. But this was like, like I said, this made Great Sasuke one of the hot, commodities of wrestling for like the rest of the 90s really mm. um yeah and it's a match that 
I think you've been harsh too, but we'll have to uh, leave that for another day. Because I see Sasuke as great as any of the other junior heavyweights of that era, and as great, you know, and a, a huge influence on the vast majority of indie wrestlers from the two thousands and, and, it, and this day. I bet and, you like guys like Ricochet and um, look, and it and and, I'm just, and, and look, my opinion on the great Sasuke may change, but I've, I've only seen this one match of his, and I'll I be didn't curious like to see. It. I'll be curious to see what you think of his work. There's one Michinoku Pro, uh, like I think it's a ten man tag match. That's a very different kind of um, great Sasuke match. Or I would like to see your opinion when he wrestles Takamichinoku in Canadian Stampede in the WWF in 97. I mean, the WWF were originally planning to have Sasuke be the guy that they built their junior heavyweight, light heavyweight division around. But then I think Michinoku was a much cheaper prospect. And so they went with him instead after he impressed in that match just as much. But anyway, I don't really want to get too much into it, the separating the art from the arts, because we've already gone like 20, 28 minutes, so... I think I don't think you can necessarily separate the art from the artist if you find out stuff about the artist. But I do think one of the things is I think one of the things that people don't understand uh, when they when we talk about people, especially now who are around in the, in this sort of Me Too era, the your Louis C.K.s and your James Franco's, um, not so much Bill Cosby because Bill Cosby has actually met a certain element of justice, is that. There's a difference between admiring someone's work and celebrating someone because of their work. Because that's what Louis C.K. wants, and that's what James Franco wants, and that's what I think some of their fans want. They want them to be celebrated again. They want them to win Emmys and Oscars and Golden Globes and Tonys and all that sort of stuff. And I don't know how comfortable I feel with that. I don't feel, you know, I listen to Louis C.K.'s, you know, recorded stand-up set that caused a lot of outrage um and he's still as good as he ever was but he, and he's basically doing the same sort of routines he was beforehand it's just a different uh what what it, what it means for louis ck to say it now is different to what it was then but like i feel i would feel uncomfortable watching him walk out on stage getting wild rapturous applause especially as some sort of returning hero who'd been wronged which is obviously what some people think and that's what makes me uncomfortable with saying Chris Benoit. Like, like I think Ric Flair mentioned Chris Benoit in the Hall of Fame speech he did, uh, the first one, when he was just listing former Hall of Fame members, and that got a round of applause. And I just don't feel like Chris Benoit... So- I think Chris Benoit's someone that you can study yeah. and learn and analyse and talk about when you're talking about the historical impact, because he was obviously a very... And arguably, in terms on, of on, because of videotapes like Super J Cup, you know, guys like me watching them and st- you know and watching yeah. them loads, and and so many wrestlers now are very much like Chris Benoit in in how they try to make everything look as real as possible, and they're very ruthless. You know, like there's there's a lot of Chris Benoit in Tommaso Ciampa, you yeah. Know? Um, but that does I don't think they would necessarily feel that comfortable saying they think he's a you know saying that. You get where I'm coming from. It's like it's it, like you know. I'm glad that I don't have to applaud Caravaggio when I say that I like his art because mm. he was also a murderer and a you know a horrible person. But he also painted some of the greatest art of all time. 
Yeah, well, it's always a difficult one. And with Benoit, it's a bit different to the CK example you raised because Benoit has a definitive end in terms of... you know he has he has passed away. Albeit, I think Benoit did was worse than what Louis C.K. did. Oh, far worse. Well, yeah, far worse. Definitely far I don't worse. Know about far worse, but it's much worse. <laughs> I don't know. That, that's splitting hairs. Yeah, you are that now. Now we're splitting hairs. I was just going to say that that yeah. that's that is facetiousness. No, it is far worse. Um, much worse. <laughs> piss off. <laughs> It's it's weird though because it's such a departure from like who who the public thought he was. If you see what I mean, like if you mm. snipped out those last forty eight hours and Chris Benoit had just like disappeared, we'd be having an entirely different conversation. Whereas we'd, we'd be talking about it with as much like sadness and reflection as well, maybe not quite as much as we did with Eddie Guerrero because Eddie Guerrero had that. You know, he was—he had that lovability within his yeah. as a performer that Benoit never had. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, if you look at your examples like CK, Franco, Cosby, um, I'm trying to think of a more historical shitbag that isn't too obvious. Uh, Jimmy Savile. Jimmy Savile. Fuck me! How did I miss that? That is like um, repeated instances of like. Bad behavior, you know. Well, bad behavior being a very polite term for it. Well, it also depends. On but you get, do you get where, do you get where yeah. I'm coming from, though? But, like, get, but we're going back to kind of the, the difference between, like, if you got rid of Mike of uh, R. Kelly on Spotify compared to if you got rid of Michael Jackson on Spotify. This like, is the problem. It's like Chris Rock said: Michael's so great that we let the first kids slide. We and like, you know ah, what? He wrote Billy Jean. Leave him alone. And that's kind of. Chris Rock's kind of hit the nail on the head there. I think the better you are as an artist, the more forgiving the public is of things you do wrong. I don't think that's a conscious decision, uh, but it's one that happens, and mm. it's it's a, mora- a bit of a mor- morality uh, minefield, in a but sense. But it also depends on the severity of what you did, where Benoit killed his wife and son. Mm. And the other people did some sort of sexual act. Now, sexual... You know, oh, we're getting into real depressing stuff now. But like, it's not as bad as murder, but it's as bad as you can do outside of murder and maybe mutilation of someone, like you know, something like that. But it's you know, it's it's, it's mental scars that they leave at the very least. Yeah. Um. Oh God, we don't. You know, we're supposed to be talking about wrestling matches. And like I said, it's so it's and, so and it's, you know, it's, that, and double, you it's know... that double whammy I think that, that's made Chris Benoit. Even his biggest fans don't like Scott Keith. Bloody loved Chris Benoit, and he doesn't talk about him. He doesn't watch his matches. And I think this on him. the point you just made there, Lork, and the fact that we're supposed this is a wrestling podcast. Believe it or not, for the way we've been talking the last five minutes, uh, we're not wearing berets. This isn't a deep philosophical discussion, as it was in. This is a deep philosophical discussion, but not. It wasn't. It's our intention when we started this project to have this conversation and episode. Yeah, stay uh, tuned for future spin-offs. <laughs> but this, this is the problem. This is why Benoit does get swept under the rug because we don't want to have this conversation as wrestling fans. Nor should we. Mm. We're talking about a form of entertainment. At yeah, the if, yeah, yeah. And that's why what he did will. 
impact his art because his art now is a gateway to conversations like this. It's a gateway to having to defend pro wrestling against something that's quite indefensible. The way like, you know, steroids was allowed to go unchecked, the way head trauma was thrown around in such a trivial fashion. Well, it was, it was, it's hard hard. showing how tough you were and how, like how much of a man you were. Yeah. You can tell Benoit felt he had to prove himself by the severity of a chair shot that he would take. Because you look at you look at and the one that always drives me crazy is Bubba Ray Dudley. All the headshots he would take from a chair, um, and Benoit as well. Compared to the old Mick Foley, really compared to the Rock, who would always put his hand up, yeah, would always lessen the severity of those shots. Um, yeah. Now, in and terms of like, who's, who's got the better life now? <laughs> true. In, like, in terms of like uncomfortable viewing, the. Uh... Mick Foley having his hands uh, handcuffed behind his back as the rock wails on him with that chair is one of the most deeply unsettling things uh, you can watch now as a wrestling fan. What with all the medical knowledge we are now blessed with. And also knowing, it was already uncomfortable knowing that like his wife and kids were it's there fair. looking at him as well. Yeah. Something that I can tell he regrets. And also Mick Foley did say it was only meant to be like five chair shots and the rock went overboard. Ah, <laughs> um, but yeah, let's. Well, ugh. I think we're just gonna have to cut it here. Maybe we'll do a longer discussion about it. If someone emails us in in our, our correspondence and wants to wants to actually get into this more, we can do it there. Maybe. Yeah. But so we, we have strayed from the path, mm. but again, to go back to one of my earlier points, I think it's one of the sad inevitabilities of talking about Chris Benoit nowadays on the wrestling podcast is you do stray from the path yeah. uh, or you have to cut it so short. Cause like there are some pod rest, like wrestling podcasts who have just said, and it's tragic what happened at the end and then will not go further because mm. they end up in the situation we've sort of ended up in just now. Yeah. Well, it's like that. Um, weirdly, it's like that New Zealand, uh, that's a different situation. I was going to say it's like the New Zealand thing, but she doesn't mention his, she said Jacinda, uh, the, the Jacinda Arden, is it a name? Um, or Jacinda Adams, the prime minister Arden, of New Zealand. I think. Arden. She says she's not going to give the shooter in Christchurch a name because that gives him notoriety and it feels like, I don't know, this is different again because Chris Benoit didn't do the things he did at the end of his life for notoriety. He did them through some weird moment of utter, well, not even moment because it was obviously, it happened in stages, but through an, an extended episode of insanity, mental, yeah, insanity. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. Yeah. And, you know, I don't blame the WWE for what they do with the not... It seems a weird thing to do. It's like almost the token gesture, but I also get why they don't have his matches in the chapter blocks. Um, and, and trying to write him out of history... Not They haven't written him out of history. His name appears in, in like title histories on the website. He yeah. has an entry in the WWE encyclopedia. His matches are still on the network. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and this match has been reviewed on this list, but it was the match I was least looking forward to. But mm. what's a match I'm not, not looking, not at all not looking forward to discussing, although unfortunately at this stage we've only been able to watch a highlights package of it, and if you can get us a full version of this match before the episode comes out, then we might just be able to do a hasty re-record if we can. 
It's another All Japan Tag Team clash between the four pillars of heaven as Mitsuhara Misawa and Kenta Kabashi once again face off against the holy demon army of Toshiaki Kawada and Akira Tawai. But until then, Simon, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, people get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Free for the amount of stars I would probably give this match if I had to make a uh, decision on that count. Hmm. My name is Lorcan Mullen. That's L O R C A N M U L L A for the A in Lorcan and N for the N in Lorcan. That's my Twitter handle. That's my uh, Gmail account. If you put that gmail.com at the end of it. That's my Instagram handle. That's my Letterboxd account. Facebook, all the works. If you want to get in touch with the show, it's lmtyspod at gmail.com. If you want us to get through a, another um, more uh, abstract, philosophical, moral maze-esque discussion on this, then give us your own opinions and we'll maybe duke it out once again. Um, and maybe we'll have to discuss the great Sasuke once again. I look forward to seeing what people might have to say to you about that, Simon. I think you've upset, upset a fair few people with that uh, dismissal of one great Sasuke's work. Dismissal of the one match I have seen of great Sasuke. Well, I am the, the one five-star singles match. I, I look. I as once again, I'm just reiterating. I I am welcome to a change of opinion. I just have okay. to see more evidence to change that opinion. Well, we'll have to see if that happens in the future. But until then, on behalf of myself, Lorcan Mullen. And myself, Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time. Until the next time.